What is up, my greater than peoples? MJ here with a very quick intro to this episode before we get started. Uh, the subject matter on this one is a bit more difficult than what we usually do, but we wanted to keep this reasonably light and not loaded with definitives. That said, the movie we chat about today meant a lot to us and is even more noteworthy in the current times we live in. So spoiler alert, we all three of us loved this movie and we talk about all parts of it. So if you haven't seen this movie, I cannot recommend taking the time to go watch before coming here and listening. Really, you should watch this movie no matter what. It's just that good. We also decided that since this was such a deep and touching film, we would skip improv on this one. But we have a very special gift from Keisha at the end of the episode, so please stick around. Some of you may know that Keisha is a gifted artist on Canvas. She's obviously a treasure to have on the show, but she's also so gifted when it comes to spoken word. She has graced us with something very meaningful at the end. I hope you all enjoy this episode and more so Keisha's substantive verve. So get ready, listen to TGTF episode four, Do the Right Thing. to our beautiful greater than friends i'm michael jewell and we're back with another episode and this week we decided to switch it up a little bit first we were going to watch and record a different movie but we threw ourselves a curveball and decided that today we'd watch a movie that we all agree is a bit more prescient to the times we're in today we're talking about do the right thing the 1989 classic spike lee joint that i think pretty much brought spike lee into the forefront as one of a kind director with a voice that was as impactful in 1989 as it is some 30 years later but before we dive in allow me as always to introduce my partners in yes anding i want you to say what's up to keisha mills what's going on everybody i'm here i'm live as always you hear me a little bit better and i'm happy about it we got that proper mic life i love it <laughs> i'm so happy and of course we have the lovely virginia gabby hello i'm here in my closet I don't know that you needed to say that to people, but oh. I like that as like a, hey, we all want everybody to know we're gangster at this. We have ghetto mics and we are in closets. That's right. That's what we're doing. So what's up, guys? Whatever to give it out. I'm great. That's, yeah. What's up, Keisha? How you been? Um, I've been, you know, I've been doing the, mm, I'm sorry. I always... Say it. I've been doing the damn thing. That's right. Don't be afraid. This Whatever. is a podcast for adults. We are not adults, but it is for adults. Um, you know, I've just been uh, out trying to be my best self these days. Not easy, easy to do. do. Not easy to do, but when you can do it, you got to do it, right? Yeah. And what's what about you, Virginia? What's up? I'm doing pretty good. Feeling a little, well, sicky, but hoping not to have the COVIDs. Doing okay over here. Yeah, full disclosure, the reason why Virginia's in the closet is because she does have COVID. And she's, no, <laughs> she's been locked in her closet. And no, the I'm smallest self-isolation room. <laughs> Let's fingers crossed that she's all right. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to break down this movie like we always do. We're going to talk about the movie, what we love, what we didn't. Then we will give a ranking, as usual, and set the scene for some long-form narrative improv. So let's dive right in. Let's do it. Do the right thing. It's a tough one. This was a tough one. This was a, a hard movie, I think, for all of us to watch for a, diff a multitude of different reasons. Uh, I, to preface, one of the things, the reasons why I think we wanted to do this, myself, I am Black and Puerto Rican. Keisha, she's an African-American. And we have an Asian-American also who's stuck in a closet. So there's a lot of mixture in our group. And we, we thought it would be important that we tackle something that I think 
we're all kind of feeling and maybe not make light of it, but have some fun with it and also, you know, be open about it and talk about it. So I will probably do a tag in the front of this episode where I'm going to warn everybody because I don't know if this is going to be good, bad, sad, any glad, rad, uh, uh, dad. It's going to be what it's going to be and y'all going to love it. Oh. Y'all going to love it. I need to, I, I, I speak it. it. I speak it. We, I keep telling Keisha, you got to watch out. She keeps thinking that just because she loves something, everybody else loves those things. Yes. And I don't know if that's true. But you got you to gotta say it. You got to preach it. You know? <laughs> you know what they say? Manifest. I'm manifesting it. All right. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> Please, everybody, as I've said almost every episode, don't turn it off just yet. I promise you. <laughs> It's going to get good. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. All right, so do the right thing. Tell me, Virginia, what did you think straight off the bat about the trailer? I want to talk about the trailer first because I, I was really excited about this. It actually told us what the movie was kind of about. It gave us the vibe. Some of the trailers we watched, I don't know that they and the movie knew what was happening. Like, they weren't on the same plane. I loved the colors. I think one of the things I really yeah. loved about this movie, and despite this movie being really hard, I really liked this movie a lot. And I would say I love this movie because the colors, the costumes, like every aspect of this movie was thought about yeah. and nothing was like a throw. It wasn't like, oh, I guess we'll just use this because it happens to be here. It was like, even in the trailer, you like just knew and you could just feel the heat. Yeah, you could feel it. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Keisha? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. That's um, Colors is like the first thing I was thinking about when you asked that like the colors were so so bright and it was it definitely set you up for you know the heat the heat of the the what, what's the word I'm, I'm looking for like just how everyone felt like the anger that went through like emotion wise um I know I, um I read that it, it was intentional that there was more red than any other color mm. um in the film just to give you that emotion of it being hot it's not being very cool um as you notice that the only blue that we really see in the film is probably from police officers and i think maybe from um uh, what's this the girl's real name i forget Dancing. rosie perez oh don't we're, yeah. gonna, we're gonna talk about rosie perez this is the only reason why i'm on this show is to talk about rosie perez that date oh that intro yeah that let's, intro let's get to the intro. I feel like Rosie was like, hey, Spike, I will be in your movie if I get four to five minutes of pure dancing over top <laughs> of Public Enemy song. If I don't, I'm not in this movie. And it was amazing. It was like, um, it was true uh, theater, right? Like, you know, our, our podcast, oh, Theater yeah. Greater Than Film. I don't know, this might be theater greater than theater because this whole thing <laughs> feels like a play. And yeah. the intro, especially. And it's, that, it's like that, it's just like flat houses almost on a sound stage or mm -hmm. on a stage and she's dancing and I read that that Spike Lee made her dance for eight hours and by the end she was so fucking mad at him that and that was the clip he used for it because she was just like I, she was just she was just dancing her anger at him and she got tennis elbow she got tennis elbow <laughs> <laughs> from all the light I, she was doing a lot of arms <laughs> that's the first oh, that's the first Latino to ever get tennis elbow <laughs> period <laughs> That was the only, one and only Latino to ever have that happen. Uh, but wow. she's definitely like emoting in that dance. Like you definitely see like that. And it was, it's such a good setup. 
It really was. That's such a good point. Like, I didn't even think about that um, because, you know, I'm a male and I'm a dummy. And I was just like, oh, look, Rosie Perez is dancing for four minutes. This will be fun. red dress. Yeah, and <laughs> tight outfits. This is interesting. But no, that's a really good point. Like, her, there is moments now that I think about it, like, she's exhausted. She's definitely, you could see there's a bit of exhaustion. And I'm sure in Spike's mind that he wanted to translate that, you know, this exhaustion to the rest of the film. Uh, yeah, but either way, I love you, Rosie. I will Her give, first film. I will give a patented chef's kiss to Rosie Perez just being a badass bee. I absolutely adore her. That was probably my close to my first crush as a little boy because she was like every chick I knew from the neighborhood. So I was like, oh my God, look, it's on TV. This is amazing. Uh, so after that, after the trailer, after the intro, we get into the movie itself. And, uh, you know, for me, this was an important movie uh, in a lot of ways because it kind of represented where I grew up for the most part. Uh, it kind of felt like where I grew up. And just the scene setting that he does, the character intros, the movement around, the, the, the geography of this little neighborhood, kind of instant, you instantly feel it. You instantly feel the colors. You instantly feel the presence. You instantly feel that you're in this neighborhood. And it just made me so happy. It made, like brought me back instantly. I think uh, from start to finish, you know, it's a it's a video, it's a movie, a film for us. Even with uh, like the soundtrack, before we get to fight the power that be, you hear uh, lift every voice and sing with the sax. Uh, and I just I always love, first of all I love saxophone, and second of all I like I love hearing uh, lift every voice and sing. I remember being at K-State and we used to have to sing that song every like a meeting, our black student union meetings. And I would like, at the time I was like the gospel choir, like I led the gospel choir and I'm like, come on y'all, y'all gotta sing it like you mean it. Get in there. <laughs> and sometimes people- Let me ask you a question. I don't want to cut you off too much, but let me ask, did you say it just like that? Was that like? No, I, no, I really it? am like, y'all got to see it like I mean it. <laughs> I say, even if you don't know the words, the words is up here every, every Tuesday, sing. But I think that it's a very powerful song. It's why do you like the, like why do you like the sax so much? It's just, uh, it's so powerful. Like it, it just moves you like no other instrument does. I think it, it has a has a different kind of I don't know I don't know what the words are. Do you think the sax is a mostly sad emoting instrument, or does it go kind of can it go kind of all over in emotions? I don't know. Sax just makes you have an ugly face when you listen to it. Yeah, you do. You know, mm. you like mm. Mm. when somebody <laughs> when somebody hits that like triplet Ooh. and it's like you're like oh. you're like oh. <laughs> It's, it hits you in the heart. It's just like slavery. Why? No. <laughs> you, just no like, for real. you just start thinking about everything like wrong or right in the world. You're like, how did, no, mama, mm -hmm. where's my mama? <laughs> uh, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think uh, we all love the saxophone just a little bit more than most brass instruments. I mean, we like the trumpet too, but the trumpet, the trumpet's like, like a party. They're here. different. Yeah. And the sax is like that chill dude in the corner. It's a much cooler instrument than, say, the clarinet. Did you play the clarinet, Virginia? No, I played the cello because I'm Asian. Oh, that's right. <laughs> 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 
and I was, they were going to make, I was going to play the violin, but uh, they needed a bigger girl to play the cello. Oh, so there you no. go. Anyway, oh. <laughs> I was bigger than the other fifth graders. What a, what a horrible, <laughs> what a horrible reasoning. I feel terrible. I had big hands. I kind of hate the cello now for some reason. I actually, in terms of strings, I feel the same way about the cello. I think it's actually a, a nicer instrument than a violin because it's deeper and more. Mm, well, got a little soul to it. Got a little did soul. you ever think about? Did you ever think about playing the harp? That seems hard. The like f- that's like sixty strings. Hey, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like the harp. Well, you don't just go from cello to harp. That's like. <laughs> well. <laughs> It's like you she ever, said she liked the violin or the cello more because it was like bigger, and I was like, "Well, the harp is one one extra step." <laughs> That's like eighty extra steps. That's like saying, "Oh, I like bike riding." You're like, "You ever think about racing NASCAR?" You're like, "No, I like a bike." <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I've never met anyone that played the harp, so. I only envision it as very beautiful Scandinavian white women like playing. I was gonna say I know one person and she's a horse girl, if that means anything to you. Like she was one of those blonde haired, blue eyed girls who really loved horses, also played the harp. Of course, of course. That's uh, that's what I see. So in my brain they also go together. That is um (laughs) that is so funny. Did you ever play the harp? What do you ever wanna play the harp? I love it. I love it. She's just mad at me now. All right, so in talking about the movie, talking about the intro. Oh, yeah, we have a movie to talk about. Yeah. The, the, I think the thing, and we talked about this when we watched it, that really resonated with me was how tight the characters are. Like, you instantly know about uh, the mayor, you know about mother sister, you know, you know, you know these people instantly. And when I watched that again, when I rewatched it, like, it, it resonated even more as I've gotten older and I've had some of those people who are now older, you know, uh, or now, uh, you know, more kind of rooted in their own ways and rooted in their own routines. It really like clicked for me. I was like, oh my God, yeah, that's, that's mother sister. Like that makes sense to me. Like I know a mother sister now and I probably didn't know a mother sister in 1989, but we all do eventually. Right? We always find that older, wiser woman or male who kind of just gets you and, and, and knows that you're not an idiot or you are an idiot and need to be corrected. And it's cool. It was like really fun to watch. I was like, oh my God, I know that woman. I thought in the beginning of the movie, uh, one of my first notes is just like the world building um, that Spike mm-hmm. Lee does is is really incredible because he does get that heat. And yeah, we get the sense of these characters like right off the bat. Like they, some of them barely even have to say anything and we're already like everything about what they're wearing, where they are, we get like who they are in this story and I just thought that that was incredible like filmmaking because for a lot of it it was like we barely had to have any dialogue yet and we all we knew yeah yeah it was yeah the second you know the uh uh what's his name oh man what's Sam Jackson's character name I forget it but uh uh, senior love senior love something (laughs) we're the worst at this uh no but yes we're, i'm gonna call him uh the love doctor senior love daddy love daddy down. oh nice <laughs> well i was like i literally wrote down everybody else's character except for that one <laughs> <laughs> sam jackson it's just i mean it's let's keep it real it's just sam jackson p 
period. Like he hasn't, he's been right. Sam Jackson in every movie. So it's, and it's okay. Like I'm fine with that being just Sam Jackson. It, he, from the second he's like, wake up, wake up, wake up. You're like, all right, this is, this is something I'm ready to do. And it cuts to all the people in the neighborhood. It's just too, it's just too well done. Uh, what did we think of Spike Lee though? What did we think of him as, Mookie. you know, as Mookie, but as like the actor in the main actor and character in this movie? I loved Spike um, as Mookie and I love Mookie as a character. Um, he's probably, I go back with him and the mayor being one of my favorite characters. Uh, but ultimately I think I'll just, I love Mookie the most because he's just real and he's authentic and he's this young guy and he's just like I'm just out here trying to get my money you know I'm just out here just trying to live take care of my kid pay my little bit of bills take these pieces where I need to go do what I gotta do and I'm <laughs> I'm just living my life and I think towards the end of the movie we really see like he never uh had any animosity you know even in his anger yes he showed his anger but he was it wasn't like he there was no hate um where um it seems like everybody else kind of like lost it and it's like he it feels kind of like it, it it felt more so from him like he was just fed up and this was a moment where i had enough versus everybody else it was like more chaotic it seemed like yeah, he, you could kind of see he was building up too, right? Like there was these really good moments where uh, Sal's talking to Jade, his sister, right? And like mm. kind of flirting with her or ambiguously like very enamored with her. And it just slow cuts to his face, like fed up. Like you were saying, like he's just kind of tired of today. Today was not, he just wants this one over. So it's in there, right? There's a little boiling under the, under the, under the surface and it definitely lets loose right at the end. Just for a minute, like basically it almost felt like he was saying, this is going to happen. I, you know, I'd rather just do it so it's done. So this way, mm -hmm. once it's done, I can go get my money tomorrow morning. I thought that like in the beginning, I was like, oh, like he's a really, oh, he's not like really an actor, but there was something about him not being a polished actor that made the characterization work a lot better, I think. Like, it wasn't like, I am acting, <laughs> you know, like that style. So there was something, I think it made it more real that he came off kind of as like unpolished and compared to some of the other actors who were are, like very actory. Yeah, that's a good point. It did feel, it, there's a couple people in that, um, in the movie that I think really felt authentic to the time and the place. It's like the the wire or something, like sometimes, you know, they, they kind of casted people <laughs> that felt like, you know, these are just Baltimoreans, like that's what they do. And I think you're right, Mookie kind of just being the chill dude in the neighborhood fit. It just fit. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel awkward or, or out of place because he kind of looked like he would be the cool guy in the neighborhood. Yeah, just yeah. Like, like he was just a dude. <laughs> yeah. And for a lot of the people, I think really the only people that acted, I think, you know, did the actor thing were uh, Danny Aiello, who is Sal, right? Yeah. Uh, and he, he kind of, he, he, and he needed to, because that was the point, like he was the, he's the anchor of the whole movie, you know, as far mm. as like what, what's about to happen and what's, you know, what goes down during the day. Uh, and, and weirdly, like Jade, Jade felt very much like she was in, you know, an, a Broadway actress who was like, you know, transplanted into this movie because it was very, she sounded like a Disney princess or something. <laughs> like, I don't know, just the way she talked, it always felt like 
she was just a little bit floaty. And it's fine. That was part of who she yeah. is. Yeah. Also smiley, too. Oh, that's right. Smiley, for sure. Mm-hmm. I, and I was talking to my fiance, who's a, a, a cognitive or intelligence disabilities teacher. And I was talking to him about this characterization. And it is a little bit all over the place. Like, uh, maybe he's got a stutter. Maybe he's got something else. Who knows? But he's definitely, they were definitely like, you are going to be, you know, sort of mentally, uh, uh, I guess to say, but I don't know the proper terminology, but uh, so please don't, you know, yell at me and, and kill me for using the wrong term. But he like, they were just like, here's a blanket, do that whole blanket of whatever, you know, like if you're, you have speech problems, you have this, and he was definitely hamming it up, I think a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like Smiley. Smiley, I, like I said from the start, Smiley's oh, the real G. Because Smiley knew what he was talking about. He just ignored the entire movie. Exactly. And people wrote him off the entire movie. And it's frustrating so bad. I was like, y'all, this, just listen. Just give him a dollar. Just listen to him for five seconds. Yeah, I kept being like, just don't be mean to him. I don't know. Don't. And that's like that's our Austin sensibilities, right? Like that's 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 this 2020 uh, viewpoint of it because I kind of we need him to be kind of mistreated to keep boiling and boiling and boiling mm-hmm. it up uh, to make the 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 explosion cathartic, right? But at the same time, he was fed up, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, dude, I'm just He's preaching, like, Mal- brother Malcolm. Yeah, <laughs> don't do a smiley. I thought you were gonna do a smiley for a second. Oh no. <laughs> I was, I was like, ooh, I saw ooh. you gearing up. I was like, oh no, don't, please don't. Ooh, do no, it. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> I just saw your face, and I was like, no, 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 no. We got to talk about the best place in the universe, right? Sal's Pizzeria. Mm-hmm, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Sal's Pizzeria. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What did With we the, think? Uh, Two dollar uh, extra cheese, expensive ass cheese. Uh, New dollars. It was more than a pack of cigarettes from the cigarette machine. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Here, here's a sentence that we haven't said in 15 years. That was more, ex- extra cheese was more expensive than a pack of cigarettes in the cigarette machine. Uh, <laughs> that's how you know you're watching a throwback. But yeah, no, I love that place. That place felt like it was so well created it felt like the old pizzeria that you would be you would go to if you're in a in in, you know i I grew up in new york i'm sure i've mentioned that a billion times at this point but it always feels like authentic it felt real it was kind of looked greasy and nasty but also great like you want to show up there on a summer day um i love sal's pizzeria that was my joint that like whole mentality was my joint that made me feel right there right in that place and i think it's such a great idea as an example of racial dichotomy in a you know urban environment i guess or you know in a in a primarily black environment way smarter than anything else you could have done because that is something that is true to form because brooklyn has changed five times you know between like 1920 and 2020 it is Brooklyn has looked different at pretty much every double decade. So it was great for me. And everyone loves pizza. And who doesn't want a good slice? Because even a bad slice is still all right. Yeah. <laughs> not for when it's $2, like extra, for extra cheese. That's not cool. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, I hope it's a lot of extra cheese. Like the mountain Word, cheese. Word, because uh, that's $2, $2. I said before, uh, that's more than guac. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's a lot of money. But um, 
I was gonna say like, uh, like you were saying that you you love Sal's, uh, but even in the movie, like that's why it's a focal point. Everybody loves Sal's, you know. No matter even if you had a problem who, with who was running Sal's or who was working at Sal's, you love the pizza there. Um, it was a, to the very end when um all them kids came in. It's like y'all decided to come when they was closing. They'll go get pizza, like. It was always one of those things, right? Like you had that that spot, whatever that spot was, like that was the place mm. you knew was a, always going to be there, never changes. You, you can get, I mean, I think one of the girls said that. She's like, I grew up on Sal's Pizza. Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's that was what it was all about. So which the idea of tearing that place down, which we'll get to in a minute, is so meaningful and so poignant, I think, to what we've been talking about, you know, and we're seeing around today in the news today and all that, where it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're tearing down, you know, the things that we love, the places that we love out of frustration and anger, and it's missing the point, right? Like, it's, you're mm. missing the point. And that's what really the third act of this movie is, I think, you know, when we get there, it's just like, wow, you know, at the end of the day, we watch the, the end scene and, and Mookie's walking away and it's like business as usual because you didn't actually change anything. You didn't actually do anything. All you did was hurt something that you loved and, and that's it. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I thought that was such a genius idea uh, as far as like what would be the place where you can really have that kind of pain and uh, memory and then realization that nothing's different. Uh, yeah. So, what did what did we think about the two brothers in the pizzeria in the pizzeria? Sorry. Uh, you know, it makes me so mad. Yeah, I can't stand that guy. Well, we got um, we got a white ally, right? You know, that's a uh, the younger brother, right? He's kind of like down with the dudes, down with the brothers. Pino and Vito. Pino, that's right. Yeah. So Pino. Pino's Pino is kind of like, hey, I. I like Mookie. Mookie's fun. No, Pino is the <laughs> yeah. jerk. Vito is the good one. Oh, is that right? Pino's a Vito, dick? I thought Vito was the the angry. reason. <laughs> the reason I know is I was reading about the coded costuming that uh, uh, the costume black. designer did. Yeah, he was, he was wearing, wearing black. a black tank top, yeah. and um, mm-hmm. Pino wears a white tank top, mm-hmm. and it shows their their like allegiance. That's a great point. Uh, I didn't even think about that. Wow. Like, it's like every detail of this movie. Uh, I was just like, and like the brownstone guy is wearing a Larry Bird jersey. Yeah, yeah. I I wrote that down too. I was like, oh, you know he's going to get his ass kicked. There's a white dude who likes the Celtics in New York. Done. (laughs) Done. You either on the bull side or you're on the Knicks side. Neither, (laughs) nothing else. You can't be a Celtics fan. Maybe a Lakers fan. But Pino made me so mad. And like, when we were watching it, I had, it was like hugging my pillow. And he came on the screen. I was just like, hide my face. Cause I was just like, I fucking hate this guy. Yeah. He was the, he was the stick, right? He's going to keep poking. He's going to keep poking the bear the whole time. Uh, the dad was amazing. Danny Aiello, I, uh, Sal, I guess, was awesome at balancing both sides of it throughout the movie. Like the whole movie, he's kind of like, mm. everybody shut up. You know, and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. for better or for worse, right? You know, that we we're talking about that today is, is silence is as bad, you know, neutrality is as bad as picking a side, you know, or picking a bad side, I guess. And he was kind of that, but even still, he was still tempering both sides and being kind to uh, both sides as much as he could. But Pino, man, Pino just couldn't get enough. He wanted the end of it all and he got what he wanted. Yeah, he and he's the one that the, uh, starts this whole like um, 
insult battle that you get with like everyone except like uh starts with just him and Mookie and then just like everybody's like going in on whoever they hate or can't stand it's like golly like yeah so I'm happy you brought that up I want to talk about that scene there there, there is probably no greater single 90 seconds I would put in film outside of like Jurassic Park when you see the first mm-hmm. dinosaur or something where it is just he, uh, you know, like a play, like theater, uh, Spike takes us out of the movie and just runs down the list of every racial slang or point of view or perspective. And it really preaches to the idea that racism is not singular. It really preaches to the idea that racism is pervasive across the world, across all, uh, all races and types, and really lets you know that, yo, it's hate is hate is hate. Kill mm-hmm. the hate kill the hate mm-hmm. period because it's not going to work if you hate whites because they're taking you down you're just going to be in the same boat as if white people hate black people because you know whatever mm-hmm. and it's so perfect you're absolutely right i didn't even put that together that pino is the first one who's going at him you know and he's, he's mm-hmm. the catalyst for this because yeah. he's been the catalyst for all right he beats up smile well he doesn't beat him up but he like tells smiley to go you know fuck off and then the the neighborhood dudes who are sitting there drinking their beers come try to yell at him, and he's just the this constant uh, antagonist throughout. And it's ah, oh, it's just a thing of beauty. I'll give another another chef's kiss to <laughs> to Spike Lee for doing that scene. I talk about that scene anytime I get the chance because it's just so beautiful. Yeah, it hurts. really. I was about to say it hurts your feelings. Like golly. Yeah, and you start to like wonder about humanity, like in it. Um, one of the things I noticed. <laughs> By the way, this is a comedy podcast, everybody. Um, <laughs> so to get to get, um, yeah, a little sad. Um, so I noticed there's the three older gentlemen who sit outside the Korean shop. They're almost mm. like a Greek chorus in that old theater sense. Like wow. they kind of yeah. talk. Mm. And one of the things they talk about is um, they're pointing over to the the Korean couple and they're kind of saying like, you know, they're fresh off the boat and they got that place. And I think it's the Jamaican guys like, I could have had a place, you know, I should have had, I should have, I could open up something. And what struck me was Spike Lee's really showing that there's this idea of them like model minority. And mm. Asians had in the 1960s were given this title and, it's this myth that was established to put Asian folks against the black community and they were allowed to get loans and they were allowed to rent buildings. And so your only businesses on that whole block is an Asian couple and a white person. And, and so I was just shocked because I was like, Oh my gosh, that is, that is the myth. Like everyone's like, Oh, the Asian, they're such a good minority. They assimilate and no, like they made us want to be against each other. Mm-hmm. And so I was watching that and I was just like, oh, you would never be able to get a loan or, you know, no landlord's going to rent to you. And like, and because the one guy's like, but you're fresh off the boat too. <laughs> and I was like, ah, it just makes me so mad. And it makes me so mad when um, a lot of folks in the Asian community won't be in solidarity with like Black Lives Matter and stuff because mm. they're like, well, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and uh, and my mom is one of these folks. So where, she, you know, we were homeless and we got out of homelessness. And so when she sees other people who are homeless, she doesn't realize we were in a special place and we got loans and we got money and other folks don't get that. And so I was just watching that like, 
no, like they're coming in and it's, they're, they're already starting to pitch you against each other. Yeah, mm. that's such a great point. I think it's kind of slightly illustrated at the end after they, and we'll, we should probably cut to the end anyway, because I think we're, we're talking a lot. But uh, to preface it really quick, as we, if you've seen the movie, the big climax of the movie is there is a fight because of uh, because Radio Rahim, which we didn't talk about. We should talk about Radio Rahim. Yeah. Radio Rahim. <laughs> we is, have so much is, to talk about. I know. There's a, such a deep movie. Uh, Radio Rahim is, Keisha, you talk about it. You really nailed who I think Radio Rahim is in this movie, uh, especially. Mm -hmm. Oh, like to me, almost instantly Radio Rahim, because he doesn't have very many lines. Um, so it's like his presence is loud because he has his boombox with him the entire time. He doesn't say anything. I think that's just like a kind of like black people in America, or like even just people people of color. It's like we're loud wherever we go. Our presence is always known and we don't have to say anything, but it's always a threat. It's always something that's uncomfortable for other people. But even Radio Rahim he knew that the the bigger fight was love versus hate and his his uh monologue kind of with a mookie and mm -hmm. he's talking about like what what's the the fight you just know but at the end you know love conquers but it seems like towards the end it's just like well what happened what happened to that you know what i'm saying like you know like that wasn't what there was a bigger issue yeah than yeah him you know then sal not having black people in an italian restaurant face black faces mm -hmm. in an italian restaurant and you know there was something way bigger but it you know hate you know rate rose um a little bit higher in that in that situation and turned out to have the poor results yeah so like with bugging out who's another character who's kind of a yeah. big He's a catalyst on the black side, kind of similar to Pino on the on the white side, I guess. You know, if we're gonna do those divisions, uh, bugging out is pointing at the wrong problem, right? And that and and much like the Jamaican kind of guy, the Greek chorus, which I love that term by the way. Oh, uh, the he's pointing at the wrong problem too, right? Like he's focusing on the fact that you know, quote unquote, you know, the the, the Koreans are taking over the neighborhood and they they got the only store, and that's not the problem either, right? Like that. Both, neither of those are the problem. So bugging out, pointing at the photos on the wall, Frank Sinatra and Robert De Niro and all these people being the, the if you change that, then you fix your problems, right? Like you take, put a black guy on the wall, problem solved. I open up my shop, problem solved. That's not the problem, right? Like what you were just saying, Virginia, is that the system had designed ways to allow the, the Koreans to come in and take those stores. And the system has designed ways to keep, you know, African-Americans down. It has nothing to do with Sal's wall. And they, <laughs> they destroy the problem in their head, but it's still there the next day, right? Like the, 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 and that's sort of part of it too. Like Mookie's still struggling to get his money. People are running around, not doing the things they need to be doing to get better. They're just kind of pretending like it's all the same. So when Radio Raheem and Bugging Out cut back into Sal's at the end of this movie, and you know that it's about to go down, they destroy uh, Sal's pizza, pizzeria. They, <laughs> they, uh, they, they, they do what you knew was going to happen at the beginning of this day. They explode from the heat of what their lives are, the frustrations their lives are, but it doesn't change anything. Nothing changes except Sal's now got his money, right? So the white dude still gets paid. 
and you know life goes on elsewhere so it's kind of it's a perfect example kind of mirroring where we are today where you know there's a lot of people out there fighting but are we fighting for the right reasons are we doing the right things and are we are we attacking the system or are we attacking our neighbor i don't know you tell me what do you think yeah it's that tough is that tough it's so hard to think about you know, obviously the direct parallel, the reason why I think we even did this movie was because Radio Arahin gets choked out in a very similar way. So like all we're seeing is, you know, I think if Spike were as more vocal today, I think he's kind of taking a back seat and trying to help out and trying to do the systemic change. He'd be like, <laughs> I, I mean, what better I told you so than a 1989 film that mirrors like almost one-to-one what we're dealing with today. Like I can't even imagine. And I feel- Yeah, I can't. Go ahead, go ahead, Chris. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I can't, I can't help uh, but think about Smiley. Um, because even though, like, um, we talk about, like, businesses and everything, but a lot of times, I think there was just, at the time, Smiley was trying to sell pictures of was uh, Martin Luther King. And, um, but he was the only, in that instance, even though, like, he was the only Black business you know, uh, but yeah. nobody listened to him and nobody wanted to give him anything and everybody wrote him off, whether you be black, Italian, like everybody yeah. to the very end. And But he was the only one like really like speaking like what was really true. It's like, yeah, you, you say you want black faces, but you weren't even paying attention to what he was trying to serve you. Yeah, because he was really trying to serve you knowledge, right? To the best, to the best way that he could, but nobody would listen to him, and that's like Smiley is really powerful in this yeah. film, even to like the end where everybody is like where everyone's mad and they're getting ready to destroy Sal's, and he just like one of the officers was black. Yeah. But nobody, again, nobody heard him. No one said anything. And so I just like, um. Yeah, I, I wish I could be in, in Spike's head on what on Smiley's choices. Because I, I feel like you're absolutely right. I feel like he picked this character to constantly walk around the I think he was the most invasive character outside of like DeMayer. As far as like in everybody's business, in every, like in a lot of scenes, just kind of walking around and doing a lot of stuff for, for not being a main character. And he was he was preaching something, and it, you're right. Nobody was listening. Nobody could hear him. Uh, I'm sure. I wish. I, I'm not gonna pretend like I'm in Spike's head because I, I, you call him Uncle Spike. I love Uncle Spike mm-hmm. way too much to say to pretend like I know what he was thinking. You can't watch that and not realize like how when our voices are muted, the minority voice is muted, regardless of what you're saying, nobody's gonna hear it. And that clearly mm-hmm. resonates with me as far as when you look at Smiley the most, I think. Smiley, absolutely. And even the mayor, too, now that I think about it, you know, the mayor was just trying to keep the peace and keep order. And everybody just wrote him off as this drunk who doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, needs to get a job, and blah, blah, blah. And he was sitting there at the end, like, let's all just go back. Let's go inside. Let's not do this. Do the right. And he's the one who has the titular line. So obviously the, he was given that line for a purpose. You know, he's saying, remember, do the right thing. And I don't know, maybe Smiley thought, I mean, uh, maybe Mookie thought after taking that note from him, that taking that advice from him, that the right thing was to burn Sal's down or 
you know, maybe saving that little boy, just doing the right thing to help out your youth. All of those things you can't, you can't ignore when you watch this movie as a whole. It's just too badass. What is the right thing? What is the right thing? <laughs> That's what I said. I would, like my last question I was gonna ask you, I was like, so what is the right, yeah, what is the right thing? Did Mookie? Because I, it touches on at the very end, uh, you know, my, uh, Dr. King's thoughts and Malcolm X's thoughts and one, you know, spoke on, you know, not being violent, you know, using love. And then Malcolm talked about, you know, using violence when necessary. Um, I, that's wrong, you know. Do I know what the right thing was? Um, you know. Yeah, do we know what the right thing 31 years ago was? Right. 30 years later was, is? uh we're working on that right like the right thing is 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 i don't even want to go down the path of trying to like pretend like i know what the right thing is but this movie did the right thing i think yeah it did everything do you guys think that because you know i haven't seen this movie until i was 37 years old how old were you guys when you first watched this movie I was probably, I don't want to pretend, it came out in 1989. I don't, I, I was six years old when it came out. I don't think I saw it at six, but I had some pretty militant parents. Uh, I mean, my, I'm literally named after a Black Panther poet. So I'm sure they weren't like waiting too long for me to see this movie. You know what I mean? So I'm sure it's probably the, I would say seven or eight, maybe a little bit older, probably no later than the early 90s did I see it. And when I saw it then, what what hit me the hardest was the 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 feeling of like, yeah, this is my town. Like I get I can see this place. Watching it 30 years later, what's really hitting me hard is that nothing has changed meaningfully in 30 years from that because I definitely remember you know I think I told Keisha I remember rocking the cross colors and that's a deep cut if you know about cross colors you're you, you know that's like in living color uh LL Cool J life right there that's something that you may, may or may not know about out there but that really came back to me I was like oh man so much hasn't changed since then even though it feels like so much should have or has. Uh, but when you really think about it, when you break down the, the core of it, you're like, no, this is, we're still in the same boat. It's just, I think as Will Smith said, it's, we're in the same boat, but now it's all, it's all on video, right? So mm. to paraphrase my main Keisha. man, Will Smith, which is a segue to what we're going to watch next week. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> Keisha, what about you? How old were you when you watched it for the first time? I don't recall how old I was when I watched it for the first time, but I know that I didn't, it didn't phase me as much as till I watched it the second time where it was, I watched it again in college with like a class and that's when like a lot of the things that like really struck me about each character and just how great Spike Lee in general was and just like how all the issues here issues that just keep coming up every day i did want to bring up because i was the reason i asked was i was going to ask you guys do you think that this should be essential viewing for folks Mm -hmm. uh absolutely i don't know if this movie's in the criterion collection but it should be i mean there i think armageddon's in the criterion collection so if that's in the criterion collection this needs to be uh as much as bt plays roots I think they need to be playing this movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the, uh, <laughs> we skipped over this, thankfully, but I, I think we need to cut out Rosie Perez's uh, uh, hoo-hahs and then that should and then, yeah. put it on BET. 
which I do have, because um, I was, that felt, that scene was a little gratuitous. Tell me, tell me all about it, please. Go. Um, it's not good. Uh, she didn't it. like it. Yeah. And she felt that it wasn't like done in the correct way. And she was crying. Oh. So I feel bad about that. Um, but I, the reason I, I asked that was because, you know, I hadn't seen this movie as a kid. I had seen Roots um, through school and, and things like that. But I think that this movie would have gave me a different education that, that was missing from my younger years. Um, it just didn't come up because, well, <laughs> I come from like an Asian family that doesn't watch movies. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think as long as the like titties aren't there, <laughs> it would be like, Oh, which is no. weird it's only because it feels gratuitous and not a part it of the did, plot it did feel gratuitous it, uh, actually it's exactly what i said had something like, when we were watching it plot. i was like wait what it's like full zoom in you know box right yeah. on there and i'm like oh no and not to put you guys on the spot but i didn't know this the year that this was um, made driving miss daisy won the oscar and spike didn't get anything and it's because a lot of the um, critics were saying that they thought this was going to instill violence. Like they thought people would watch it and and it would create violence in the streets, which I think is super fucked up. But yeah, well, critics. <laughs> I mean, that's the, um, it, it. Speaks to exactly what we're talking about. Like it was an uncomfortable conversation that 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 this movie made about race and about where it lives to in 1989 and today the people in power were like no 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 we're not going to have that conversation right now uh whereas i mean morgan freeman he's adorable like that's a that's a, just a, that's everybody's grandpa like we talked about mm-hmm. so we want that like that's easy that's an easy level of racism they end up being friends at the end it make you know it's like hey everything's great racism isn't too bad you know not surprised at all but also that shows how ahead of the time this movie is because we are definitely talking about this movie way more outside of this podcast, outside just in general, than we are about Driving Miss Daisy. Yeah, but I think there's a lot of irony in that because we see death like this every day and it's not a movie. It's, it's real life. Right. Right. You're seeing black bodies constantly being put to death mm-hmm. and, and it is starting. It's, that was a movie. Now you get real life, you know, live. <laughs> it's it's out there. Yeah. You can go on and roll down through anybody's timeline and see anybody getting killed by police officers. And it is starting to riot. It yeah. is it's it's starting, you know, it's starting to protest. Mm-hmm. Everything they didn't want, like so I don't know. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Does this time feel different? like what we're going through right now in these last like two weeks then i mean we were all quite young in 92 but during you know like does this time feel different like maybe something different is going to change this time i mean that's a really hard fucking question sorry (laughs) no it's a good question i like it It, to me it does feel different because i think through i'm gonna call it accidental education and that's the education that so many young people are getting by just having more access to the internet that are just having more access to higher like um, unfiltered forms of education or forms of information uh it does because while there is a lot of frustration in the streets there's a lot of stuff that's happening that is uh that are the signs of just this continuous decade over decade frustration there's also a lot of people who are focusing on how to change the system and who are fighting to change the system and not just fighting the people who have done the bad thing right so we're not just looking at the cop 
who did the thing, we are looking at the system that is police. And what does that mean? And how do we fix that? Because that is a problem. Now, time will tell what that change looks like, but I have never heard the argument so loudly for things like defunding the police or things like mm. altering the way that we not hire, elect our you know chiefs of police or altering the ways that we elect the local congressmen even to this level of that, let alone federally. So in my opinion, yes, but the, the, there is no way to know when you're in the middle of the forest, what, the, what yeah. it looks like when you get out of the forest. So we'll see. What do you think, Keisha? Yeah, no, I don't. I, I definitely agree with um, everything you're saying. I don't know. Sometimes it's very difficult, even now, to be hopeful for those changes. And um, I mean, I just have to be be honest. Um, a lot of time for for the longest time, as the protests and riots and looting have been going on, I've been very silent on social media. Where a few years ago, I would have been very loud and very vocal, but I'm just tired. I don't have nothing to say. I don't. I don't. I don't want. I don't want to talk to you about what's going on because I said I, I. I've been said it. I said it back then, and I don't. Right. I don't like to repeat myself. You know. So I don't. I don't know. Last thing. What did we, what is our ranking of this movie? What do we rank this movie? Virginia, you, you can start if you want. <laughs> I want Virginia to go. I think she's um, the best rank. I give this, I give it five fuck the police. Ooh. I, I think I like this it. is a really fantastic movie for, for just a plethora of, of reasons. Um, it's extremely hard to watch, but at the same time is, is watchable like and i think mm -hmm. that's such good storytelling and you can convey your message and what you need when you've made a movie that is that you can really like dive into because it's still a movie yeah yeah uh i totally agree i would give this i'm gonna give it uh four sal pizza pies out of one sal pizza pie because i think <laughs> it is exactly like you said it is First off, just period, a well done movie. Like, you know, you could, if it was, if the subject matter was somehow different, it would still be beautiful to watch. It would still, you, the characters would resonate, all that stuff that you just want out of a good movie. And then on top of it, it's talking about something so razor sharp. Uh, it's talking about something so difficult in such a razor sharp way that it's like the, the subject matter, you know, adds to the quality of this movie uh, in a way that, you know, so few do, you know, we're talking like Schindler's List or, so, you know, there's only a few movies where it can talk about something so difficult in such a beautiful way on a budget. Let's be let's also remember that this was like an indie movie. So this is on a budget that's, you know, one-tenth the budget of any other movie that came out that year, I'm sure. It's just, it's just such a well-done movie. What about you, Keisha? What do you think? Um, I will give it a, a four, fuck the police, and one pizza pie with extra cheese. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get that extra cheese. Two dollars. That's a lot. That's how you know it's good. It's so expensive for that extra cheese. It's got to be good. <laughs> it's worth it. It's uh, worth it. So I did also read that Paramount wanted Spike Lee to change the ending so that it was a happy ending. And they told him on Friday, mid-pre-production. And then by Monday, he was like, going somewhere else. And he went to Universal because they wanted to essentially just like Whitewash wipe out it. that yeah. the message. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was a like a sad ending. I mean, I mean, it wasn't like 
I got happy ending, but I love that. I love the the camaraderie still between Sal and Mookie. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, I wonder if they were saying, we will never know, I guess, we, uh, unless we were, you know, ever do this podcast with Spike, but I wonder if they were saying, like, Radio Raheem can't die. And in that case, if they were to say, like, Radio Raheem can't die, that's too dark, I could see why the studio would do that in 1989. And I could definitely see why Spike would be like, I'll see you later. This has been real. Yeah. Um, they said they wanted it to be uplifting. Because it does kind of just, you're left kind of wondering. I'm so happy he left then. I'm so yeah. happy he left because uplifting? because there's no reason for this movie to be uplifting. This is the story of like how we are in the system systemic cycle. Like the ending is perfect because everything's back to the way it was the start of the day of the first day, right? And that's the damn problem. I think like that's the message to me. It's like we are just back in the same muck. Like you didn't change anything. Nothing is different. Uh, the only thing different is Sal's got more money than he did before. Because you notice he pulled out that fat, fat roll, right? He, he, he rocked out 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, and he still had a fat stack under it, which definitely made me think like, okay, Sal's going to be just fine. You know, like, yeah, that's, the, and I, to me, that's sort of the point. He's just going to take that money and take it to his own neighborhood. Right. So with all that said, what a great idea for a comedy podcast. Highly recommend everybody, if you're out there in the comedy world, review Do the Right Thing during uh, Black Lives Matter rioting. It'll make you feel real good about life. <laughs> but what we're going to do next, when we come back, <laughs> what was that, Keisha? I said it's a solid movie. It is an amazing movie. Absolutely recommended to watch. Like Virginia said, I'm surprised that it's not in more school. I'm not surprised, but I would love it for it to be in more rooms with young, impressionable human beings watching what happens when communication falls and fails. And I think that's beautiful to see and truthful. We don't talk the truth enough. We dance around it because the truth is scary. This movie didn't dance around it. So kudos to Spike. Kudos to him from walking away from real money uh, to make the movie the, that he wanted to. I mean, all of that. That's just absolutely beautiful. So when we come back, we're going to try our best to do interesting long form improv around do the right thing, just like we always do. And we're going to make sure that this does not make Virginia cry. Or it does. It might make her cry. We don't know. It might actually make her cry. All right, we'll be right back. What's up, guys? MJ here again. Normally, this is where we do some improv and have a few laughs. And full disclosure, we tried that. But serendipity stepped in, somebody's cell phone got messed up, not gonna name names, and it helped us realize that this was better left without it, at least for now. But we do have something especially meaningful that I think ties this episode together, perhaps better than any improv would have. So stick around for that. Thanks as always to our greater than friends and family, and we'll be back to normal business hours in next week's episode. Heat on summer day. Heaven cries out, this ain't the way. Not even the rain can mend the pain we feel today. No cool rush of water from the fire hydrant can heal the street from crimson stain or black men or woman slain. Our folks ain't breathing. No mayor can make sense of the chaos. Mother sisters get silence, but hurt gets louder, and they want us to turn down the volume. But if there ain't gonna be no justice, there ain't gonna be no peace. They love to quote Martin, yet they still never wanna let our freedom ring. And I keep hearing, do the right thing. 
but I don't know what that is anymore because all I see is red, rage, flash, like police lights. The only wind to cool us is blue collar, blow by blow, bullet by bullet. We be black body slotted. We be Radio Raheem, yeah, we be bugging out. Do we really understand what the fight is about? Faces and frames. Faces we'll never see again or how they still refuse to say her name. We tired, hot and bothered. We can't breathe. They're still expected to lift every voice and sing. But still must fight the powers that be. Police set free and our bodies still hanging from trees. Again I hear do the right thing. Doing love what hate can't do. Do for the heart that hate can't heal. Doing love when hate still stings. Do the right thing. What is the right thing? Please tell me. Somebody tell me what is the right thing. What is the right thing?